0: Welcome to Analytics for Society, the podcast where we discuss how data can be used to help benefit the greater good of society with some leading experts in this field. I'm your host, Jon Seglem, Managing Director in SAS Institute. Today, we will be discussing AI in action and looking into image recognition software and how this can provide a foundation for humanitarian organizations to reunite families separated in a catastrophic situation. We will also discuss other real-life examples of how such technology can create business value. Our special guests today are Ingvar Larsson, CEO at It, and Lars Kvinge, data scientist at It. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you. So for the listener, Lars and Ingvar, who are you?
1: Well, I'm Ingvar. Uh, I've been working within they call enterprise performance management, analytics, and I think almost all aspects of information management for the last 25 years. Now I'm managing NOIT's initiative within these areas: information management and analytics. And it's a very exciting time working with these things. It's been exciting for 25 years, but I think now it's being very used in very many places and the choice is nice.
2: I work as a data scientist at NOIT. I've been, been there for almost two years now. I have my background within both engineering and financial, so I like to work in that field, between those fields, doing the, both business and engineering and technical stuff as well. So as a data scientist, I think that's perfect, perfect area to be in. We, we, we're positioning you both and discussing you're both leading technology
0: experts, and you're also tech enthusiasts. like a warm-up question. What's the favorite gadget that you use in your personal life?
1: <laughs> well, you should probably then then ask my grown-up kids uh, and, and they'll say, well, it's, it's his iPhone. But I think that the smartphones, they are representing s- so many things. I mean, i sure I have too many apps and uh, running out of battery. But as an example, you can combine QR codes with, with uh, well... Facial recognition, we're going to talk more about that. One app that I, 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 I love is, is uh, as simple thing as the Bank ID, electronic identity. And, and actually, I both the Swedish and the Norwegian one, and the Swedish one is better. Somebody's going to hate me for that comment. But it, it's actually, uh, you can use, when you log on, you use the QR code. And at the same time, it uses facial recognition on the, on the iPhone. So uh, you don't do anything like just yes, push the button. I think that, that's really nice. Mm. How about you?
2: For me, I like to measure things, maybe on myself. So uh, for the moment, my, uh, my favorite thing is my uh, my Garmin uh, Pulse watch. So I like to use that when I run. I like to get the data of when I run. I like to think that it's giving you feedback when you run, when you're performing well, and when you're not performing well. And also, it keeps track of where you run, and um, and you can keep your goals. You can compete with your friends, even though they don't run with you, but you compete on the same distance. So yeah, for now, I think uh, my sport watch is my favorite gadget. So in March, we
0: had a, a hackathon, Nordic hackathon competition in, in SAS. And you competed with your Where Is My Daughter case. And, uh, you know, you use machine learning, you use facial recognition to find missing people in refugee camps. So before getting into the inspiration behind this case, let's cover the technology aspect first. What exactly is image recognition and more specifically face recognition?
1: Well, I, I can start, large, but I, I think it's image recognition. It, it's, it's, uh, it's something quite mature in technology. Uh, I was thinking the first time I met it was probably in the early, mid-80s in, in production industry, uh, looking how you can, let's say, look, look at quality and, and uh, for, for the first kind of robots using this. Uh, but but what it does then it, it, it's just uh, the image, the, the photo, of an object, and, and uh, make it into digital understandable components, the, the pixels, and and trying to to match this with known patterns that it have. I think that's could be a simple simple explanation of it. But but today everybody talks about uh, self driving uh, cars, but it's you find it's even more like in logistics uh, surveillance. Uh, the different kinds of system, I think, is all, all over.
2: Yeah, so the, the main, I think the main, um, one of the main differences between image recognition and face recognition is that image recognition is often used to detect objects. And uh, the face recognition, it detects your biometric features. And what it does, is it finds your biometric features and transform them into numeric values, where you can use machine learning to recognize these values and uh, compare it with known values. So... Say you train a model on an image of yourself. It you transforms your your biometric features into numeric values, and it checks for those values later on when you use the model. So I think face recognition is a extension of in, image recognition.
0: Mm. Can you tell me a bit more about the the face recognition algorithm
2: that you developed as part of this hackathon
0: and and this workshop you did
2: together as a team in in OIT? So. There are several models out there to perform facial recognition. Some uses the facial features like the nose, the mouth, the distance between your eyes, and some uses the, the contrast per pixel in the image. So it will find spots in your face, unique lines, texture that is unique for you. And there's, of, of course, the possibility to, uh, to combine these two to get a more diverse model. Uh, But in our case, we used uh, the facial features. Uh, We found that that worked better for our case. And we used a predefined deep learning model that uses the biometric features. And we used the model that we found from, there's a known library called DLib in Python and C++. So it's it's trained on million and millions of photos, and it finds your features. What's your special features unique from those millions of photos, if that makes any sense?
0: I think it's uh, such an
2: inspirational case. And I think you know
0: we have invited you here as well, because we talk about the analytics for society. Could you give me and the listener a bit more insight into what was the idea behind this case? What, what, what drove this case to be the leading
1: case in, in Noah's contribution this year? I, I think it's very much how how we approach this this challenge and and uh, let's say get out the the inspiration from people who wanted to work with us. This this is of course voluntary to work with these kind of things, but it's actually one of the things that that uh, the people we work with have said is, okay. This is this is what we like doing. So we we, we have like a. Way uh, methodology you could call it when combining creativity and technology. Typically, start out with brainstorms, workshops, different ideas, and and uh, trying to find out, let's say, which one would work, which one would we like to work with, and. Um, in this case, we, we found uh, two cases, uh, both in this uh, data for good segment we could call, it, and uh, we went for this uh, idea of uh, of reuniting family members uh, using facial recognition and also the, the geo positioning, typically for humanitarian work. It was actually our colleague Cilia Nord, I think, uh, who, who came came up with the idea first. Uh, there were also some other ideas about finding missing people, and and but it was from this it was brought out and then it was developed. There were people in Oslo and Stockholm. And Bergen working together. Some, some from advisory and, and data science. Some working with information man, information management, and and uh, of course also digital communication.
0: It's a great story, and I think uh, one of the great things here is that you know you bring your, the extended team together. You brainstorm. You find this purposeful idea where you could use kind of like for data for good, and then you agreed holistically on on what technology was was needed to solve this. And then what? You know, this is innovation management. When what what you know enabled you to take this you know idea out to life?
2: Well, we were part of the hackathon last year as well, and um, we knew some of the speed bumps that we needed to do straight away. So we assembled a team. We did um, weekly stand ups, almost two stand ups during the week. And did a status check on where we where we are where in um, in in the case. But also, one thing we needed to figure out is the data. We need we uh, we need data. And um, knowing that from last year, that getting data is not always that easy. That was the first challenge that we started. up. And since we were using image recognition and facial recognition, the data was we all have that. So we there was a lot of selfies during the the first time to get. More data, And we also needed a device to take the photos with. So we developed an app for taking the, the photos and getting the geo position. So using that app, we could get a lot of data. And I think that helped us a lot because then we had to figure out the facial recognition first and then how we can do the information management later on.
1: In this, case, this kind of hackathon, you also have like a start offering, a quite nice one, if you ask me. Where you could, here we had, let's say, the possibility to combine the, the features of the SAS via, like openness and and. Uh, where you can do the modeling and presenting the data, but also uh, another uh, leader in this field with uh, uh, Esri's Arc GIS software. Uh, and Then everything was preferred and preferred on the, on the Microsoft Azure platform. So in, in that way, I think it was, was very easy for us. We could combine this with, uh, let's say, the open source of the catalogs and then everything was well in place. But uh, I mean, this, is, uh, this of course makes it easy to start. Uh, but it, it's quite available for those who want to work with it. And we also have, si- let's say, sim- similar platforms that we also try to provide for the people working in these kind of cases. That's great to hear. And I think, you
0: know, teamwork, purpose, using technology for better good of society. But another aspect as well is, you know, your, your ability to use things that have already been innovated, you know, cloud platforms, be it, you know, starting packages being you know, GIS from leading providers of that kind of data. And also, you know, going into those libraries to talk about really inspirational how you brought it all together to solve something meaningful. So I read a Gartner report recently where they predict that by 2023, there will be an 80% reduction in missing people in mature tech countries compared to 2018 due to facial te- recognition technology combined with AI. And this, you know, enable us to help find, for example, missing people. At the same time, we talked about this a bit earlier. You know, there is a flip side to this development. What's your perspective here? Is it that you know, is it all sunny, or are there some potential dark sides to using this technology?
1: Well, there's for sure a dark side, uh, but, but let's say first on the Gartner prediction here. I, I think, uh, well, it, it's uh, absolutely possible. It's, it's available. It's uh, you will find the facial recognition as as such in in many places. So, so that scenario could could be in place. And in, in, in some countries, it, it will be, let's say, used and allowed and, and so, so that. But I, but I think that there are several people privacy aspects that take have to be taken in consideration. And uh, as I say, just because we can doesn't mean that we should or will do it. I think those ethical questions has to be addressed. And uh, I think we're seeing more and more of that just as we speak, actually. I think that, I mean, everybody probably working with this have heard about uh, the rules new rules in San Francisco. I think I li- read last night uh, something, I think it was the U.S. Border Patrol that had been hacked and, and, and a lot of information of, of, of facial features and uh, cars and everything has been t- taken by somebody else. I, I think we ch- have to take care of, of the personal data in a very good way.
0: What is your perspective on, you know, we have Europe, you know, being very uh, strong and forward leaning on GDPR you know, on protecting, you know, personal data and all that. And then we have other regions, you know, geopolitically that has a different view on that, you know, to build on this. And opening up could also drive and foster innovation. Well, upon having too much, you know, focus on control, GDPR and all that, it protects, but it also could slow down innovation. What's a good mix?
2: It's hard to say, but as you know, China, using facial recognition for couple of years now they don't have that much privacy uh like the gdpr and and i think they're gonna gain on that technology wise they don't have that many rules that they need to take into consideration to make better technology i think that's going to give them a big advantage but also since the the ethical problem that they could use whatever personal data they want i think that's a there's a, a way between that, I think, somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it also depends on the situation. As I mean, we we were we actually talked quite a lot about this during this hackathon thing because we're actually uh, using photos of uh, very vulnerable young uh, children in uh, situations where they might not be able to take care of themselves and there might be people with quite bad intent in, in those areas. So, so, of course, we, in our case here, we, we put uh, humanitarian organizations in charge of the personal privacy uh, aspects of this because it's nothing that we can give everybody the, the, the possibility to, to find these people and, and to match them. And uh, I think the same thing would go if, if you look into every case and every detail. So this is ha- something that has to be regulated, but it's not a technology, it's the way you use it here. As, as usual but but Gartner said about missing people in in the western area I think this is still it's, it's a very good opportunity for areas which is not as well developed and probably you can find easy way to, to use it in a good intent mm.
0: leads us on to kind of like the next next natural question here you know what's the next step with this winning idea have you guys discussed this with any of the humanitarian organizations do we have any plans to take this into production
2: so we are in dialogue with pretty world-known organization, and they are definitely interested in, in this solution. But of course, since it is a humanitarian organization, there's several stages they have to go through to start with a project. But uh, we've been in contact with several organizations. But there's there's one that is um, more interested than in others, I think.
0: So I had a conversation with Innovation Norway a couple of months back uh, about the partnership SAS has with International Organization of Migration under UN and about how analytics technology can help in situation of crisis. And it was fascinating to see, you know, that it's not only technology, it's also people caring, you know, people embracing, people going in and, you know, sorting out and finding outliers and using technology and, and working with people in partnerships. I think also the thing that you have you know, pointed out as, as a success for the hackathon is bringing all these things together, not only the technology, but also the people aspect. So getting back to, the, to image recognition and innovation here, um, we see that several of our customers are starting to adopt this technology and, you know, replacing or combining it also with sensor technology, for example, in energy companies. Could you inspire us with some of your use cases of how image technology can innovate
2: industries? You mentioned sensors in the, in the energy uh, business. But we're working with that on the public transport area a lot, using machine learning to optimize the prices for the tickets uh, with trains and and buses. We were using uh, bleeding edge technology to solve these kind of issues.
1: There, there I mean, there, there are some. Uh, I know we've been typically also within in uh, the public organisations or services. Uh, I think there's some about uh, roads where you can look into road man- maintenance and things like that, I think is, is quite interesting. Another area I know is uh, it's worked in uh, paper industry, typically within production quality and, and, and those areas. If, if you look into where you could work, we, we, we talked uh, before about aspects of, of uh, people and privacy and, and uh, things that have to be taken into consideration. It's, it's probably much... Uh, more convenient uh, to to start working within this within in the industry. The different things were like production quality. W- we don't have to address the the GDPR and, and, and people privacy issues. But but you also see things within in gaming. Uh, where the things now with the augmented reality. Uh, augmented reality also within in industry, trying to combine these things, so where you can quite quite uh, fast and easily get going with different things. You shared earlier
0: that, the, you know, your passion, the, the iPhone, you know, yeah. the family pointing out the iPhone and, you know, the ability for the iPhone then to yeah. recognize you without having to do any manual inputs. What kind of industries would you see, you know, gaining from that kind of, you know, user experience, to put it that way, of not having, you know, to remember everything, you just use your face and then you're in.
1: Yeah, I think anywhere where you look into uh, identification or, or authentication, uh, where where you can you want to make agreements, uh, and you will find that, uh, with, of course, within industry, within finance, and. But, but I also think within, between people. I mean, if, if you if you want to buy a, a used car on me, uh, some dark place in the evening, if, if you actually can make sure it's me and it's my car, it, it's not really that uh, dangerous anymore. But uh, if not, then you probably shouldn't, right? And uh, that goes for all aspects of that and making sure that uh, it, it's legal and it's, it's uh, authenticated.
0: Mm. So uh, we started off with image and face recognition. We started off with uh, with a use case you found inspirational and purposeful. In terms of future potential uses of this technology, what do you see driving kind of like a trend in the use of of image technology,
2: in the use of face technology? So we mentioned cars doing um, autopilot on cars. That is maybe the most used case now, and it will definitely be more of it. So you see the Teslas, you could do the autopilot. So it uses image recognitions to recognize other cars coming towards you and children running in the road. But also other technologies coming in where you have surveillance. Say you could use this, for this example, face recognition on a mall. You said that you, you lost your child when you were in a mall and you hand in a photo of her or him. And you could use the surveillance camera on the mall to figure out where the uh, your children is. And I mean, this is... Of course, some privacy aspects here as well, but it could be used in many, many cases.
1: Yeah, And I, and I think, I mean, a lo- lot of people are talking about what we like to call artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I don't think it's that, most of the time, it's not that very intelligent. But when you see the reduced cost, uh, the availability of trained algorithms, and at uh, the same time, as talked before, the, the demand for better authentication, or proof of identity, and security, and all the way some modern e business I think this is this is something where it will of course uh, be, be very very important and be used a lot of times and uh, in a way I think the, the image and, and and the digitalization and recognition of things is it's kind of a bridge between what we call the, the the physical reality and and where we can do what I call more computer-based automation, where you can use computers to do things and make the images there will be the bridge between the the physical reality as we see it now. And I, I think that's uh, that's also where it's, it's why it's going to be very, very important right now.
0: If you look into the technology, kind of like it, it's proven it works, there are a lot of things that we could, you know, want to make better, both in business life and in, in life in general. W- why are not more people jumping on this ship? You know, why are not more people starting to use this technology? You know, for either a business purpose or for a greater good. Is it the GDPR thing again? Is it that holding us back, or are there other
2: aspects to it? I see many people jumping on, and see the oil industry. Uh, here in Norway they use, now they use a lot of drone footage to figure out where there's there, there could be issues around the platform. But I think also there are some companies that are they're stable now. so bringing in new technology is uh, often a bit scary and if it means a failure, you could lose a lot of money. So say within the in the oil industry, if you get too ambitious on using new technology, it could mean that you have to stop what is actually working and that could mean big losses in in the financial
1: uh yeah I, I i think you, you i mean there are there are, they are combination of everything so as, as you were in here you're talking about like, I said, uh, the funding and, and making sure that you actually can can uh, do the profit uh, realization and uh, I think as in all changes that, that, that change management uh, going from a, a system where people are making their decisions and being able to evaluate everything at the same time is quite fast with our brain going to, to a way where you have a, a more data driven uh, situation where, where you're actually trusting the data you're trusting the computers to do the things for you, it, it's it's probably in many cases the, the the biggest problem because we are in many areas uh, we, we are not really that good at managing our data. I think in many organizations, it, it's it's uh, the, the only thing that they really manage quite good is, is their financial data. We have the, all the different kind of governance and and uh, the, the, the way with a whole organization has taken care of of that data. If you're now starting to bring in other data to, to govern and understand and use and manage, just look at the, uh, the awakening with the GDPR, uh, how, how difficult and how dangerous it felt for a lot of people. What, what are we doing? Now we're talking about uh, new sorts of data, uh, image data. We're talking about other census data. It's not as easy as you would think to learn to, to take care of this asset and manage the assets of data. And I think that's, that's probably what's holding back more people. Uh, then, just yes, the possibility in the technology.
0: So one of the organizations we are supporting at SAS, WildTrack, uses image recognition software to help protect endangered species by analyzing digital images of footprints. So do you have any other inspirational examples of how re- image recognition is being used to help benefit society?
1: Well, uh, there's one here. Uh, it's, it's probably not going to be, it's not loved by everybody, but it's sure good for society. And uh, then I'm thinking about tax collection. Uh, with all the toll road cameras, uh, automatically collecting billions of, of uh, let's say, cars, passages, or you can use geofencing or any, anything like this t- to provide for the funding of society. But uh, you also, I think, uh, it, it's common used uh, where we have in, environmental image data from satellites to, to, to look what's what's happening with, with uh with the world, uh, but I think this is also a very good reflection on how hard it can be to change. I mean, you, you, you have all the data, you see what's happening, but it's, it's really uh, could be really difficult to, to change it just be, with the information. But uh, th- there's also good ways of, let's say, we're, we're tracking, we're, we're looking at uh, analytics over time, you also see that we are improving many things. And, and uh, that's also, I think, uh, quite inspirational to, to see how this data is used to, to really get good feedback. You know, building on that
0: good feedback. We talked earlier about your watch, Lars, and I also know we have a partner in in the Netherlands where we use. to have a lot of cameras around the field to detect the movement
2: and, you know, use data to improve the game. I think they use real-time data. They use it for every sport. I think there's, you see the the, um, cross country skiing here in Norway. They do a lot of real-time data and... um, not only in football, as you mentioned in Netherlands, the you see the Formula One, for example, every part of the car is transmitting their their status. So people sitting in the control room has always know how the car is is handling and uh, how it is, and it gives vocal feedback to the driver. and they could say like the you need to be in this gear and this gear to to maintain the car in this have the status that it's not just gonna break during the, the race. So, and I think basically it's they use it more and more in every type of sports because you need feedback. The more information you have, the more you know and the better you can perform, I think. And also, you—if you see the the movie Moneyball, uh, where they use they use data and statistics to to figure out and when to buy baseball players and how to optimize the team, uh, which is a true story. There was a new way of thinking. I think it was in the nineties. I think, and they they made it to the top, buying cheap players, but they had the the good stats that they needed for the team, instead of using gut feeling and old knowledge on, on players. So I just want
0: to bring us a little bit back to that, to the hackathon thing and the team thing. So you know, it also won the hackathon competition last year with the case on illegal fishing. And this case links to the recent UN report covering nature's emergencies, you know, as illegal trade contributes to animals actually going extinct. Have you done anything since last year to, to improve the situation around illegal fishing, you know, discussing with any... Organizations are bring, but bringing this into production.
1: Uh, yes, actually, we have. We have. Uh, this has been presented to, to authorities both in uh, Norway, Denmark, and, and Sweden. And uh, uh, we're also actually actually through some some people working close to the EU Commission. It's been introduced to, to, to the some third world countries uh, to, to as, as a possibility. And uh, it, it's not uh, any, let's say, sales of a solution yet. But I, I think we've inspired, uh, at least in the, in the Nordics, we know we've got that feedback. And it's it's going to be used, uh, uh, this way of, of looking to, probably in combination also with, uh, with other called uh, information that's also available, of course, from satellites and things like that. Uh, we, we're not sure if it's going to be us or if we can be part of, of this developments so, uh, but uh, as I said it's it's I think we are we quite I think it's quite nice to know that we have inspired them to to uh, to do this uh, in a, it can be done easier than they thought I think mm.
0: and that's you know also extremely valuable thing about having these ideas and you know showing it can bro- be brought into life and then the whole discussion around you know the business model of supporting this innovation is kind of like a topping in itself. Could you tell us a bit more about the technology behind that case? You know, is that some of the things we covered already or is it different?
2: Uh, so it's uh, it's quite different, actually. It's um, for, the, for this case, we we used uh, pattern recognition. So it's kind of st- the same because we used machine learning, but instead of looking at facial features, we're looking at patterns that um, boats are driving. In. So on every vessel above 45 feet is uh, obligated by law to transmit what you call AIS signals, which transmit uh, the per- the position, their speed, their heading, and so the registration number, and maybe uh, what kind of vessel it is. So for this, we we actually first started off looking into cargo shipping and s- see if we could uh, optimize the the waiting time for them coming into port. But it, apparently, it's not a it's not a big problem in in Norway, and we only had the, the data for. The coastal areas in around Norway. So then we started talking about we still want to use the AIS data, and we look start looking into to fishing vessels and illegal fishing. It's a major problem globally and here here in Norway as well. I think globally there's it's worth eighty three billion dollars a year that is lost due to illegal fishing, and I think last year in here in Norway fifty percent of all fishing is. It's illegal. So it's uh, a big thing, which we learned when we looked into it. So when we started looking to to the fishing vessels, we wanted to look at the, the geo position of each boat. So we wanted to see each time they transmit their position, they send out a pattern on where they are. And... When they fish, they have a different pattern than when they were driving ahead or in in transport. So we learned how these vessels moved around when they're fishing and trained up uh, machine learning models to recognize exactly those patterns. So when they see it later, you could say this boat is probably fishing right now. And you could do that on real time data and yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's quite uh, fascinating as you can you can see what kind of fishing they're doing the the, the pattern is quite significant for different types of fishing i mean if, if you are trawling or if you're doing some some different kind of networking with or or line fishing or all or, or, or these different things so so if, at that time may, maybe you shouldn't be fascinated with things you're working with but i think it was amazing how 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 clear the patterns were
2: yeah you could uh, you could connect to the to the AIS stream and you could sort out which boat is a fishing vessel due to their patterns so, and, and this could be used i mean it's not to to detect if they're fishing. It's more if they're fishing within areas that are vulnerable and illegal to fish. I think this is just another example of an uh, you know this illegal fishing case, it helps,
0: you know, contribute to the protecting the biodiversity in the sea. And your face recognition case contributes to the help of, you know, reunited families. So I'm kind of like eager to get into this, you know, analytics for society and the data for good. What is the idea for next year? How do you build on top of this?
1: Oh, a good question. Uh, you're probably not going to get the answer you want here, but uh, the, probably the answer you expect instead. Right? Uh, I, I think that, but there, there are already some uh, ideas that came up, uh, and we've been working with some of them already, like on, on waste disposal and larger cities, and, and uh, like plastics in the rivers and the oceans and all these kind of things, but. Honestly, we don't know yet, but uh, we will. I think we'll stick to our recipe and and work like in the in creative and engaging process. We, we know it has proven success, and I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the process as, as such as, as uh, stimulating. I mean, it's working with it. So, if there is someone listening, you know, to this
0: podcast today, and they have an inspirational idea that they want to discuss, you know, with you, that could potentially lead into this, can they lean forward and come with a suggestion or? Are you open to external input as well, or?
1: Oh, for, of course! I mean, the, the, all of this is is made by external import. I mean, it's uh, colleagues, uh, customers, and partners. Uh, there is a lot of inspiring cases out on the net, uh, uh, and here in Oslo, we actually we we invite people to what we we call it our Innovation Tuesday events. Where we invite successful people and organizations to to present what, what they've done their cases and uh, and this is of course uh, open and uh, this uh, you can find it on the no on our homepage here in Norway but it, i think it's it's it's, uh, it's all about meeting people and and being uh, let's say quite open and sharing about the, those possibilities and ask could we do it because i think in in many cases it's it's more available uh, than than you think of and then 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 afterwards you can look into okay w- w- what are the obstacles how how is is it legal is it uh, ethical uh, w- what do i need to do to keep this in production over time and all these kind of things but i think uh, get the ideas there and, and start working on them and uh, yeah
0: well i think uh, you know thank you for joining us today ingvar and lars thank you thank you you have been listening to the analytics for society podcast Today we have been discussing AI in action and heard quite a few inspirational examples from knowledge winning data for good cases. And for me personally, it's, you know, the bringing the team together, letting them brainstorm on ideas that they feel passionate about, and also giving them this innovative and innovation platform for analytics and AI to help them bring this to life. I would also invite you to tune into our other episodes to learn more about how AI can help your business with social innovation and transformation, and at the same time benefit the greater good of society.